This podcast is brought to you by the film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn with an incredible ensemble that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, and Whoopi Goldberg. Ezra is a funny and endearing story about Max, a divorced father struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When faced with difficult decisions about the future, they embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Deadline calls Ezra a touching testament to the power of love. In theaters May 31st. Pampers Cruisers 360 is the must-have diaper to help keep your baby from taking it right off, which, if you've experienced this, can lead to complete chaos. With its 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your baby for a comfortable fit, your active baby can move freely. Think of it as baby yoga pants. Cruisers 360 offers a gap-free fit and has a blowout barrier at the back of the diaper to help stop any unwanted disasters. The best part? That stretchy waistband makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby, who is always on the move and can't be stopped. Just rip the sides to remove and roll it up with the disposal tape on the back. Voila! Pampers Cruisers are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. Pair with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, made from 100% plant-based cloth that grips the mess without fear of tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of four, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of three, practicing physician, and blogger on the side. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura. This is episode 88, which is first airing April 9th, uh, 2019. Today's episode is going to be about childcare hacks, more what we wish we'd known going in, some of the best advice from our listeners who've written in all the tips that we're going to be talking about today. But Sarah, you had um, just the other day a, a classic childcare dilemma, right? One of those ones that that happens to everyone, right? We do, and I don't think there's a parent out there who hasn't um, experienced that interesting mix of feelings that you have when you get a text from a babysitter, perhaps the day before, hopefully at least the day before, that's, oh, I can't make it tomorrow, sorry. I've actually had a much worse scenario, which is like the actual event is happening, and I'm standing at the door with my clothes on and my husband ready, and then no one showing up. (laughs) That's a little bit different. You don't have a lot of options in that case, but this time I had a babysitter call the day before, and it was there was no like anger on my part because it was a family reason that was completely legitimate. Like I was like 100%, no problem. But then it left us with the question of, you know, do we cancel our event or do we scramble? If it had just been a date night with Josh and I, I think we would have just said, you know what? Family dinner out. Let's go. We don't, you know, we like our date nights, but it's not that important. But 
this particular night, we were going out with um, my husband's coworker, who, as you know, he just started in a new group. So we felt like it would have been kind of awkward. They also don't have kids. So I don't know how incredibly understanding they would have been, although I'm sure they interact with many people who have kids. <laughs> so we're probably not total anomalies that way. Anyway, so we decided to go the uh, scramble route and we used a service in our area where basically um, you're pretty much guaranteed a sitter. And then the more last minute it is, you might pay a little bit more of a premium. But we happen to be members of this particular company because our nanny took a couple weeks of vacation last year and we worked out uh, the finances and it made more sense to pay their somewhat large membership fee and get a lower hourly rate for those two weeks. So anyway, we took advantage of our membership. We got someone to come. Genevieve was mildly scared of her for a little while. But um, now that I have an almost seven-year-old, Annabelle kind of saved the day and found things to distract. I heard this all, of course, in report afterwards. And they were all fine. And they yeah. went to bed and we enjoyed our night out. Well, that's good. And 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 just saying, I mean, the reason it was scary is because it was a new person. It's not like oh, the yes. person was scary. <laughs> no, there was nothing scary about her. In fact, I felt pretty confident because she's a, a teacher and had worked in the public school system. So um, that made me feel, oh, she, you know, if you're vetted enough to meet that criteria, then uh, of course, the babysitting agency also does vet their sitters. But I like to know that she passed the school litmus test as well. Yeah, no, that's that's a pretty good sign. Um, somebody's gone through that. Um, yeah, we haven't really used many backup um, sitter options from that. I, I generally like to have a list of backup people, although our, our backup list is um, probably fairly thin right now, just because our, our nanny has been so reliable and willing to you know, work extra hours for, for date night type things. And as our kids get older, it's become less of an issue on weekends of, of needing coverage for stuff. So yeah, that was... Uh, but uh, we, we have a lot of childcare tips that we've been getting from listeners. So we thought we'd go ahead and read some of them. Um, so Sarah and I are just going to go back and forth, highlighting a few that people have sent in that we, we thought were good. So one that somebody posted on my blog is about checking references when you are hiring someone and asking real questions. So thoughtful questions, a couple that she has come across is not just like, do you like this person? I mean, because that's not actually a very helpful question, but like, tell me her strengths and weaknesses. How does she handle constructive feedback? Um, what's one thing you wish she'd done better or differently? Um, because sometimes you can get things that, you know, are probably not huge deals in the grand scheme of things, but might be deal breakers for you. So for instance, if you're like somebody who punctuality is, you know, your top thing for various reasons, you know, you have to leave at a certain time, there are trains involved, like, you know, certain time you have to be at work. That will probably drive you crazy if the person continually shows up five to 10 minutes after you've said, even if five to 10 minutes isn't a huge deal. And so you want to know that. Um, so if the person's like, yeah, she's great. You know, she was always 15 minutes late. You're like, okay, move on, you know, uh, you know, to do that, if that's going to bug you. All right, Sarah, what do you have? Well, one of my um, favorite, more global recommendations, we have a lot of specifics here talking about daycare versus au pairs versus nannies, and we'll get there. But one tip here from a blog reader said, my first would be to reassess your needs regularly. I think it is easy to trundle along with a so-so situation for years just because one is worried about the stress of changing things. But really, everyone's needs change regularly, parents, kids, and caregivers. I've started reassessing our needs on an annual basis. This doesn't mean upending things, but rather thinking about changes in schedule, what kind of support your kids need, homework, question mark, she writes, and what kind of support you need, such as laundry and cooking. You may come to the conclusion that your current situation doesn't work anymore and it is time to find someone new, but sometimes just a tweak will 
it will improve things. I like that because I think it's so easy for you to get into autopilot mode for, for us even. You know, you're, you feel like you're in that daycare place forever and then all of a sudden you've got three school-aged children and, you know, everything might change, but we don't always take the time to figure out what's the best financial balance, what's the best uh, number of hours, you know, even things like um, you might feel like you need to outsource cooking now, but when your kids are happy to sit and do their homework while you're experimenting in the kitchen, that might not be something that you need when they're a little bit older. So I really like that one just to keep things fluid. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, I love the idea of at least an annual check-in to make sure that everything's still working. Uh, another one we got here is to start looking early. So this is for people who, um, you know, maybe our, our listeners who are expecting or even thinking about starting a family. But, you know, I know Sarah and I, we've talked about uh, looking as soon as we got the positive pregnancy test with our first children. Um, but this person, you know, reminds you to start looking early um, because it might take a while to find a, a daycare center that you love or to get off the list if they're oversubscribed because they're really good. Well, you know, you want to know as soon as like a year ahead of time, which is about what you would be for going back at four months as soon as you learn that you're pregnant. So there's that. Or even just, you know, starting to interview potential nannies uh, whenever you think that might be good, but before you are right ready to go back to work. And I know what happens here with some people is is you just don't know how parenthood's going to go. And and some people are like, well, I know a lot of friends who've decided not to go back to work. Um, and, and so that seems like, you know, it might be wasted effort. Like, I want to see how I, I'm doing with it. If I, if I want to go back to work, if you're not sure. Um, the problem is, if you don't look ahead of time, you are pretty much guaranteeing that it will be very difficult to go back to work, um, either because you'll have to choose a daycare that maybe isn't the top of your list because it's, you know, where you could get in with short notice, and that could make things more difficult for you. Or, um, you know, hiring a nanny, you may not have, uh, you know, the time to think about it and get used to it if you've just decided to go back, and then that can create its own issues. Um, so you're better off looking and then trying it. And if you decide, you know, after a few months back that like, hey, I'm not, you know, this this isn't what I want to do. I do want to stay home. Well, then, you know, and you don't have to make it under duress, that decision. No, that makes sense. Because um, you can, oh, yeah, it's much easier to reverse the other direction than to get yourself on a waiting list that had already been in process for a year. Absolutely. And I had at least one Instagram commenter talk about how, you know, our podcast does focus a lot on, uh, you know, individual childcare like nannies. Um, but for those where that's not an option, it might be even more important to just make sure that you're at the front of that line for the the centers that you want to be um, at. Yeah. And, and with that, we definitely got a number of notes of don't be cheap. I'm not saying that, yes. you know, the, the cost of a daycare center is 100% correlated with quality. Um, but, you know, you definitely don't want to compromise on anything safety related, um, you know, or staff ratio related or anything like that. Um, because that's where things go wrong is when when people don't have enough adults and enough safety procedures in place. And so you, you definitely do not want to save money there, like find somewhere else um, and, and in the grand scheme of things, you know, drive your car longer, you know, move to a smaller place. Like I, but don't, don't try to go cheap on that. And actually on that note, we got a couple of people comment very specifically about, you know, payment rates for, for babysitters. I even had one New York reader. I can read her specific 
comment because uh, she's anonymous here. She says, pay them fairly. I'm shocked when people tell me that they pay $12 an hour for, this is more for babysitters than like nannies or, but still $12 an hour for sitters in New York City. The minimum wage just went up to $13.50 and the going rate for one kid is $20 an hour. She wrote, you will not get smart people working for you long if you treat them poorly and or pay them poorly. Also, the difference between being cheap and paying your sitter fairly and legally is actually not that much. Um, and she's, again, speaking more about like date night. She says, you know, it's $32 difference whether you're paying them very well and have someone who's going to be very happy to come back uh, versus paying them under minimum wage. So that's yeah, very important. Exactly. Another one related to that, and, and then we'll get, I think, more into specific <laughs> stuff with it, but um, that uh, one person wrote in that you might be better off she said you had she's had a few friends go back to work part time because they think it will be easier to get childcare. They don't like the cost of full time care. However, in this listener's experience, I've seen overall better options available for full time care, whether it's the people who are willing to do that in terms of nannying or the centers that you know cater to people looking for full time care, um, whereas part time care tends to be a little bit more. Um, informal or maybe, you know, home-based, things like that. And she's saying that the friend's work hours who work part-time got changed slightly, which put her in a real bind with her part-time home daycare. Whereas for me with full-time care, you know, it was just not an issue to change hours slightly. Well, and that was a theme in general that our readers and listeners said, you know, get more care than you need. You do not want to go for the bare minimum and find yourself scrambling at the beginning and end of the day. Again, in, in many ways, it may be better value, as she was saying, because there's usually sort of more full-time package type deals available. Uh, but that even extends to um, the listener who I think talked about having four children and having about 61 hours per week, and that being the magic number, very specific. Very specific. Um, and she said that they have done less well with less in the past, but now they're adequately staffed and wonder why they ever tried to make things worse with work with less. Um, so skimping out on the number of hours isn't necessarily a great idea either. It may be a recipe for a lot of stress. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. If uh, your daycare center closes at six and you are often, you know, racing in at six, this is going to be a highly stressful situation um, that you might need to think about if that's really the best way for you to approach it. I have a few very specific daycare ones. Do you want me yes, to go through those? Yes, let's do that. Let's do the daycare ones. Okay. So one person wrote, if you can, bring everything your kid needs for the week on a Monday. Uh, they did cloth diapers. So on Monday morning, they brought the milk, a pile of diapers, wet bags, and spare clothes. I guess that wouldn't work with you can't bring like a week's worth of breast milk because, well, I guess it could stay good. Anyway, milk, your mileage may vary because I don't know if maybe she's bringing powdered formula or maybe they bring it frozen and then they thought there. I don't know. But anyway, uh, that was one reader. Um, somebody else wrote, you know, my kid's daycare is info light. We don't get reports on napping, meals, et cetera. And I had to learn to be okay with that. I realized that I really trusted and respected his teachers. And as a result, trusted they'd tell me if there was an issue. We get an occasional story, but mostly judge his activities by how much mud is on his clothes. A lot of mud or a complete outfit change indicates a busy, active day outside. Um, he's only 19 months, so he's not a reliable narrator. He is very insistent that his favorite teacher had a mouse in her pocket last week. So I think what that person was trying to say is, you know, once you trust a center, you don't necessarily, I mean, some people do feel more comfortable wanting the minutiae. Uh, I felt that way more with my older children than I do with um, <laughs> subsequent children, maybe not needing quite as many details if the kid looks happy and they can basically tell me if they ate something maybe. And if there was a nap, great. If not, that's probably okay too. <laughs> yeah. But here's a good one. Try not to pick a daycare that is only convenient for one parent to pick up or drop off because 
that means it will always be that parent, um, which if you if you guys are OK with that, like if that's a family decision for whatever reason, then that's fine. But recognize that if it is very convenient for one parent and not the other, that parent will always be doing it, um, which which can be an issue. If you buy name labels, which a lot of daycares do, uh, just put your last name on so the daycare teachers won't get confused by hand-me-downs. I love that one. Uh, you know, that's uh, certainly an issue for families with multiple children. Who, who will be going to daycare. Um, one issue, uh, separation anxiety, of course, happens with all children or, or almost all children and, and happens whether you have, you know, nanny, grandma, like it doesn't really matter who, who the person is. You can have separation anxiety. Um, but this person suggested at daycare, if your child has separation anxiety at drop-off, have them push you out the door. <laughs> <laughs> she said it worked for her every time. Uh, so I, I love the image of, oh, you've got to push me out. You've got to push me out this door. Push her out. All right, kids. That kids is fine. great. I love that. I'm going to have to try that. And if, well, I guess I don't know yet whether Genevieve's going to have that type of anxiety, but I suspect we may have to try that. That's awesome. That's, that's a good one. We had someone write, um, this is maybe a controversial one. She wrote, we have always used daycare as childcare. My biggest tip is to lower your standards. Nobody will care for your child exactly the way you think they should. And the minute you realize and accept this, the whole childcare journey is way more enjoyable. This also applies to nannies, grandparents, and eventually school teachers. For example, with our first child, in typical first-time uptight mom style, we didn't allow any treats, processed foods, etc. So when she started at daycare, I used to get anxious if they gave her food that we wouldn't allow. Once I accepted it was out of my control, I felt so much happier. By letting certain things go and relaxing your strict standards, you will have a much better relationship with the daycare center and your child will not suffer. I think within reason, I think it's, I like, I like that comment. I think everybody has going to find their own level of comfort, but I, I do think it's nice to, to take a step back and like, you know, how much will I care in five years if my kid <laughs> yeah. can't candy on Fridays or something? Yeah. I also, I, I, mean, I wouldn't even, it's hard. I wouldn't even say that this is about lowering standards, though. I, I would I would not use those words. Um, Maybe more like don't try to micromanage. Like, yes, I would say it's not micromanaging. Um, like a place that has, you know, loving caregivers who are safe, you know, well set up, well trained, like you know, they may do plenty of things better than you. Their standards may be higher than yours. In many cases, you have particular ideas that you have come into parenthood as preconceived notions um, that may not survive the encounters with reality. But these people have cared for, you know, hundreds of children. So it is quite possible that they know how to do things better than you. Actually, that was that was one of the, the strategies that um, one person wrote on my blog that she said, toddler daycare is a magical thing. My girls learned so many skills that I had no idea they were capable of at age one, like putting on their own coats, cleaning up after themselves at mealtime and putting toys away. Um, she said it also got her reluctant talker speaking. Um, it got her non-mobile child crawling. <laughs> so, and, and that potty training was also well supported at this place because again, the teachers there have helped hundreds of children learn to use the toilet. And, and so you have at most learned, helped a, a couple children learn to do this um, if you've had relatives that you've helped in the past. So, you know, the, the level of, of professionalism is often pretty, pretty amazing. So I, I wouldn't even use the, the word standards. I think it's just differences um, in, in how people approach things. Um, so one of the things that many of the readers um, were passionate about 
uh, were au pairs. Oh my gosh, so many people love their au pairs. Um, I mean, we've talked about them previously. I still think it'd be more, it'd be fun to like either hear from an au pair or, you know, talk with someone who's had them for years and what that experience is like. So maybe we'll do that in the future. Um, but for now, we had a good comment. Caregivers can help with housework, even au pairs. I would rather have my au pair doing laundry and taking care of my three-year-old at the same time than me having to do laundry and take care of my three-year-old at the same time. This um, reader writes, my undivided time with my children is more valuable than my caretaker's undivided time with my children. It's an interesting concept. I am their mother. Maybe this sounds harsh, but I've heard so many mothers talk about how they are multitasking when they are home, but their caregiver isn't. It seems backward to me. Very interesting. Um, another one uh, wrote, consider au pairs. They are a great source of affordable childcare. There are lots of myth myths out there, but really there is no flexible childcare situation. Yes, their hours are somewhat limited, but not as many as people think, i.e. whether they can work overnight is agency dependent. Our au pairs have been an amazing part of our family and the lovely young women who I have stayed in touch with. So that's lovely. Um, another parent, uh, tip, let's see it here, but it was specifically, oh, here it is. Think outside the box. We had considered switching to an au pair program for years, but I was worried about our need for hours. Still, we had two sitters for a few years. It never occurred to me that you could get a sitter and an au pair combo. When it finally did, we made the switch and it has worked so well for us. We get both the stability of the sitter and the flexibility of the au pair. One might say the best of both worlds, pun intended. I know families who do daycare and au pair too. Lots of combinations can work. Yeah. I would definitely say that uh, don't be afraid to stack childcare options. We, we've heard this from a lot of listeners as well, um, that this is not an either or thing. It's not necessarily, you know, even daycare or nanny. I mean, some people wind up with both. And, and that's certainly what we did. When, once we had our second kid, we hired a full-time nanny, but kept Jasper in daycare more as preschool because it was very good school and he had his friends there and it was great for him. And it, it was another option, right? So if our nanny was out for some reason, I only had one kid. Um, and if, you know, Jasper had to be home from daycare, then we had the backup option and it allowed us a, you know, a few more hours uh, of coverage if, if we needed it as well. Yeah. I feel like especially in larger families and as the kids get older and you don't need that like 24 seven, but you just need someone. Yeah. I think, I think, um, some kind of combination of like an after school program or, 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 you know, daycare or some, I don't know, something where they would do activities and be supervised, but then also having the flexibility of an au pair that could jump in if they were sick or something else um, would be awesome. So that was sort of my au pair section, but people were definitely very, very passionate um, about the au pair. Uh, here is another kind of, um, General tip, keep the provider happy. I know this seems obvious, but the selfless souls that devote themselves to caring for other people's children are human. If they like you as a family, I think this goes a long way for the relationship as a whole. Um, and someone else also put it kind of, um, I like how she put it, something like, don't let your, <laughs> do whatever you can to, um, to prevent your own stress from being taken out on the caregiver. Cause that can kind of happen, especially if maybe you're trying to protect your spouse or your children or your child. Um, and then there's only one other person that's there that, that might bear the brunt of it. That is not what their role is. You want to keep things professional. You want to keep things supportive. So to be very careful as to whether that could be a pattern that you want to avoid falling into. I want to leap in with one more just because I we're, we're going a little out of order here. Oh, well, we're, we're reading these from like three different in, you know, they're coming in on Instagram. We're looking at our notes from the blog. One that uh, several people posted on my blog, which is daycare related, is that 
even if you have the day off work or get out early for some reason, you are allowed to leave your child there. Uh, so I, I, because this is time you can then use for errands, for instance, um, or, or doctor's appointments or things like that, that, uh, and especially if you don't have an in-home employee as somebody with a nanny might, who might be able to do errands, you're having to do a lot of errands yourself and it might be easier to do it without a toddler. So get that story out of your head right now that if for some reason you have the day off work and you don't you know, spend every single second with the kid, <laughs> you're a bad parent, um, feel free to go bring them for you know at least part of the day or hey, the whole day if you need to. Um, but we had several people comment on that. Or if they had different work hours, for instance, one woman um, said that she has a shift from 1230 to 830 on Wednesdays, but still brings her daughter um, a little bit before 9 a.m. to daycare on that days. And I think her husband picks the child up at, you know, four or five o'clock in the afternoon um, while she's still working. Um, but because of that, she has that morning time on Wednesday to take care of errands and things like that. So very smart life strategy there. One person also mentioned that they, they use their date night babysitters to, they have them come early and then they enjoy going shopping together for the household as a couple <laughs> where they go out to dinner. So I love that. They may want to do their own shopping. They don't want to outsource that, but they don't want to take like three kids with them either. So perfect. They can yeah. just extend the date a little bit. <laughs> and one other with, um, you know, having a sitter for a few hours on a weekend, um, which when you're actually in the house that this can be possible. And this might be something that uh, if it's a neighborhood teenager, for instance, that maybe you're not entirely comfortable with leaving that person in charge of your family while you're not around. I mean, they're probably fine, but if you know, you're trying someone out new or they're a little younger, for instance, because then they can, for instance, play with a toddler while you spend some time with the older children or take care of some household chores or projects you know, that require tools that you would wish your toddler not to be uh, dealing with and, and and playing with at the time. So that that was a good tip as well. I have a couple of babysitting specific ones. Can I do those? Yes, let's do those. All right. So one, someone said sitter service, and that was kind of like what I mentioned in our intro. Uh, there may be one in your area where you can always have a backup. Um, so that's one thing to certainly look into. One person, a lot of people mentioned uh, approaching the workers at your daycare and finding out if they're interested in doing extra babysitting on the side because they already know your child. And, you know, as long as their contract doesn't forbid them for whatever reason, then they may want to make a little bit of extra money and bonus. It's not a new person. So that's wonderful. And then one of my favorites was uh, if you work, let's say with students or, um, you know, if you're, if you're near an academic center and you can get a class of students that might be interested in sort of having a go-to Google Doc where basically the whole class can see it and it has your information on and they can basically or they put their information on if they're interested and available to babysit. And then whenever you need it, you can go and be like, oh, look, a class of, you know, a first year med student that wants to babysit on Tuesdays and Friday nights. And I'm going out this Friday and I can just um, text that person and, you know, know that, that they were probably vetted by the school. And um, hey, if they're like a nursing or med student, they, they may have at least like CPR training and some <laughs> some useful skills. So or maybe maybe somebody getting uh, like a, if you know, have access to a, a school for early childhood education or something, then then that would work as well. But we had a number of people that use that kind of um, a shared document to keep a great list of potential candidates available. That's awesome. Do we have any others that we want to go through before our Q&A? Um, I guess just, well, I had a couple of people mentioned that don't forget that your neighbors can also be backup for you. That can include people that are home with their own children, in which case you can certainly offer to pay, by the way, or pay them in a great meal or some kind of 
you know, a play date on a Saturday. They can drop their kids off if they save your butt on a Wednesday. Um, and a final tip, in addition to neighbors, is that someone mentioned that you can ask people without kids to help out in a pinch. Um, someone wrote, I don't have children and I love spending time with my friend's children and I'm not bothered at all by spending a few hours with them so my mom friends can get stuff done or whatever they have going on. So I love that because I wouldn't have thought to ask somebody without kids of their own to help out. But, you know, I guess you never know unless you ask. They may be actually dying for that kind of, you know, break from, they may want to sit down and play with a toddler for a few hours. I mean, when that's not your normal life, it, it could be really fun <laughs> and entertaining. Exactly. So lots of great tips. And of course, we welcome more um, tips on how you find backup options, you know, questions you've asked when hiring people, uh, things you look for in a good child care center. So all of these, please keep posting them on our blogs, um, on our Instagram page. We, we love um, to share these with, with other people as well. So our question for today is also child care related. And this person writes in, do you think nannies ideally would do additional household tasks? Uh, my nanny only wants to focus on baby-related stuff. For instance, she doesn't want to unpack groceries, unload the dishwasher, or handle handle anything issues I may have created, such as like if the baby's outfit is stained from the weekend, I have to spot treat it. If we go on a trip, she won't unpack his suitcase. Um, she does his laundry once a week, takes out the diaper trash, and that's it. Is this a major issue? I possibly could get her to run some errands for me, and that would be nice. And I do find myself spending a lot of time on the weekend tidying up and generally dealing with the apartment. On the other hand, I really trust her with my baby, and she is smart. We hope to have another baby soon. So I think at some point, she won't have as much time to help out with household stuff, which is maybe why she's trying not to set that expectation. I just don't know. Um, my question is whether I should possibly switch nannies to find one who can do more things for me, or if doing so might be detrimental to her baby's development. So it's hard to know in any situation what exactly is going on. And and so, you know, if you have somebody you absolutely adore and who's wonderful with your baby, I mean, maybe there are other ways you can solve this problem, whether it's hiring, you know, I don't think anyone, you, you, there's deep cleaning can be done by a cleaning service or something like that. Um, it's, it's harder to be doing stuff like, you know, deep vacuuming, washing floors while you're caring for a toddler. And I don't think you should expect that. Uh, so that you would hire a cleaning service to do. But things like unpacking groceries or, you know, unpacking a kid's suitcase from the weekend, it's just sort of generally helping her out around the house or unloading the dishwasher. And so that might be more of a trouble in this case. I mean, your nanny's primary job is to keep your child safe while you and your partner, if you have one, are working. But on the other hand, you do want the person who would take on some of the tasks that a stay-at-home parent would do. Um, and I, I find it hard to believe that most stay-at-home parents would not empty the dishwasher if it was done going uh, well, during, during the work day. So, I mean, the truth is, you know, even if you like this person, most people don't stay at this job for more than, you know, two or three years, especially if this person isn't necessarily doing it professionally, that if this isn't someone that you hired out of like three other nanny situations that they were doing before. And if it, person's maybe doing it before grad school or something like they're going to move on. So you may not have to deal with this too long. And when you are hiring the next time, um, you can specifically build this into the job description that, you know, by the way, I would like help with some light household tasks, doing errands, things like that. In the meantime, you might 
having a good conversation. I, I mean, it was hard to tell from the initial email if the person had flat out refused uh, a request to do these things or if it just hadn't occurred to her. Um, and, and the person who was hiring her was, um, you know, just assuming that people would do these things without being asked. And so that was the, the problem. So we suggest making a list of the things you'd really like done have an explicit conversation about it. Like, Hey, I would really like some help with this during some of the baby's nap time. What would make that doable for you? Um, you know, maybe if the person really thinks it wasn't part of the original job description, you could talk about a small raise, uh, in relationship to, to those things, but it really is helpful to have somebody who is looking for additional ways to help out versus trying not to do things. I, I guess that, that is something that you would definitely want to look for in the future with hiring. You want someone who is like on your team. You know, you have shared goals of a well-functioning household and happy, healthy children and not just like clocking in, clocking out to do her thing. I mean, I feel that way at my job at the at my work at the hospital as well as my work at home. And I'm very grateful that in both places I work with people who I do very much feel like they want to be team members. And I feel like I want to take care of them too, um, being on the team with them. I think, you know, Laura just said that your nanny's primary job is to take care of the child. But, you know, if you have hired them and they're your household employee, their job is whatever you say it is. So, I mean, I don't mean that in a harsh way. I just mean that you are the one who gets to create the job description and gets to set the rate and they get to choose whether they accept it or not. Now, the current nanny that you have may feel like how whatever you are paying her is not enough to motivate her to do other things. Or she just may have felt like, you know what? I wanted a job where I'm just taking care of the kids. I don't want to do a lot of housework. And that's her choice too. She's a free agent and um, she can choose to continue or, or alter or she can you know, choose to do a little bit more um, and you can come to an agreement there. But I, I don't think you can think of it as like, you know, that's her job or that's not your job. You guys both get to decide together. And if it's not, if those, if, if you're not able to come to a common ground, then I think it's probably time for both of you to move on. Um, from a personal note, I mean, we have a, a nanny that really takes a lot of initiative and does everything I could have imagined her doing and more. And I think part of that is that she really enjoys working for and with us because we pay well and we um, support her and we try to make it a pleasant place to work by not micromanaging and letting her do things her way. And I think she enjoys that. We also did select someone who is a career nanny. So someone may have a very different mindset. Oh, I'm just doing this for a couple years while I, you know, I'm going to go to another grad school or get hired by industry versus someone who's like, I want to make a good living as a nanny. Um, and you can do decently well, depending on what you're willing to work and the kind of hours that you're willing to work. Um, and you can do that for a number of years. So I think there is a different mindset there as well. So yeah, I feel like, well, my summary, I think I wrote something like, I'd write a list of ways you'd have your like to have your nanny, nanny make your life easier. And if she is unwilling to even make an attempt, honestly, I'd move on. And that's okay. That might be what's best for, for both of you. With with that, I, you would also ask the question, the, the listener would ask the question of whether it would damage the child to have a new a switch in the in the course of this. I mean, the, in, inevitably, there will be switches. Like, no child care situation lasts forever. And if you think about it, like, you send your kid to preschool, they're going to have new teachers each year if they move up a, a year, as some preschools do. Not all do, but uh, some do. They're going to have new teachers every grade in school children do fine with that. So as long as I think you're not changing every like month, <laughs> I think you're probably going to be okay. You know, going into a situation, you're trying to make it last for at least a few years, um, just because people like stability in, in hiring decisions. But knowing that very few situations do last forever is also helpful. 
And I will say um, that you do have to keep your re expectations realistic. Do not expect um, a nanny to deep clean the house while taking care of a toddler and an infant, for example. What you might think about if you would like her to do more at home is to actually do some kind of preschool combo where you have one of your kids or both of your kids in, in like a daycare setting for a few hours and then give her a list of things to do. Um, some caregivers actually might enjoy having like a little bit more variation to their day where they do cooking and household stuff in the morning and then more childcare in the afternoon. I mean, you just have to figure out what works. You also need to figure out whether it's a matter of that this nanny can't or won't, because if they can't, that's, that's understandable. Won't is a little different. <laughs> all right. Well, this has been best of both worlds. We've been talking about childcare tips from all our listeners. Um, please continue to send them in. Oh, sorry. Our love of the week. I'm sorry. I, I didn't even get to that. Uh, Sarah. We're not yeah. even having love of the weeks. <laughs> my, We're falling apart here. No, I didn't put that on there. My love of the week is a new podcast called The Double Shift. Now, I will say that this podcast, I don't know that they love our podcast. Is, is, I'm, not, I'm not sure that our podcast would be their love of the week because they did make some comment about how like this is a parenting podcast for everyone. And I didn't know if that was supposed to be like a jab at parenting podcasts that were not for everyone. I don't know. Maybe not. I think I just took it too personally. <laughs> However, I thought her last episode, which was about a legal brothel worker uh, in Nevada who has a child was very interesting. And if you're looking for a really diverse array of parenting experiences and how certain women make things work in a little bit of a different format than ours. It's much more of an interview podcast. And they're going for the exotic, where I feel like we go for the mundane. We love the mundane. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, so you may want to check that out. It's called The Double Shift with Katherine Goldstein. Excellent. Well, I think my love of the week is being able to eat out with my children and not having it be a disaster. We've, we've sort of reached this stage where I, we went out to eat this weekend and the four-year-old was sitting next to me and I didn't have to like keep him in a seat. Uh, he actually sat there and he ate his dinner. And it was just like, wow, this there wasn't anything spilled on the floor. It made everything a somewhat enjoyable experience. So I, we've reached that moment. It's it's an amazing. Uh, for, That's a very special moment. It Congratulations. Is a special <laughs> moment. For parents of young kids, you do get there eventually. Takes a while, but you get there eventually. So That's awesome. This has been Best of Both Worlds, episode 88. Tune in next week for more on making work and life fit together. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? 
What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.